Servus and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 25. Before we get started with this week's guest, just want to let you guys know, give us a follow on Instagram, uh, at Pro Hockey Pod as well. These interviews are also on YouTube. Uh, in case any of you want to watch some live CR interactions instead of just listening through it through your your headphones, Pro Hockey Pod as well on YouTube. This week, I mean, what can I say about this guy? 20 years professional hockey, uh, living in Germany now, founder of Robinson Athletics. Uh, this guy has played in a lot of great leagues over over his time and now is you know developing a lot of the players in Germany working in Leipzig. Happy to have on a former Bovo Bowl, even though I'm a diehard Pete's fan. I'll accept it this week. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast, Nathan Robinson. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. And, and uh, I love what you're doing there with that. It's doing a great job. It's awesome. So like always, we always go back to the start. Um, I believe you were born in in Scarborough, Ontario, so in the GTA area. Yep. Is that uh, yep. is that where you first learned to play hockey and fall in love with the game? Actually, here's the guy who's... Uh, I was born there, and then uh, my parents moved to Kingston, Ontario, um, two hours uh, uh, down the highway, the 401. And um, their jobs moved, and they wanted me bringing me up in a in a, in a better area, a better um, community, um, and safer for for families to be raised and everything too. So um, that's where I began to uh, pick up hockey, Kingston, Ontario. And how was? Uh... How was the minor hockey structured back then? Like, was it similar to how it is now with like AAA, AA, single A in Kingston area? Yeah, it was exactly. It was double A, uh, single A, double A, triple A, or they go house league, which in Germany you have like uh, what hobby or 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 uh, then it's like not Fuchs in in this. Uh, but uh, yeah, I started a house league. Uh, I was like, they don't have like Timbits. Uh, they do have an offer kids uh, where it's more like U7 or U9 and all that stuff uh, under sevens and then it's it was like I was um, starting house league with like that was what started skating I was two or three you see the video on Instagram was two or three years old and it was over uh, the kids that were like six seven years old you know and uh, it was just like kind of everybody in a, into a fishbowl and what drew you to hockey? Because like everyone obviously has their own thing, like whether it's like a family member or just, you know, in Canada, it's obviously one of the, the top sports there. Like what was your draw to yeah. it? Okay. Uh, my father, my father, I just remember him coming in from hockey from Beers League and uh, throw his, throw his equipment down on the ground. And then uh, on a Saturday, he had like Saturday afternoon games or tournaments and you come in and uh, turn the TV. Beyond, I'd be in the kitchen um, with my mom. He had a little net there for me, and I'd shoot with my mom. My mom is my goalie, and uh, my dad would come in, put his shit down, go on the couch, put hockey in Canada. So typical, and it's so true as we was we was in Canada. Um, put on the least for playing like you know the Bruins or whatever, and hockey uh, in Canada. Don Cherry, come on, and I, I got. He, I'd sit on his lap and he'd you know watch the games with him and he'd have to grab his beer and it's mostly Canadian and uh, just I can even still smell like the the mostly Canadian and the the, the stinky uh, hockey equipment in the living room. I live in a small flat and I, I would get into his equipment and uh, pick up his skates and I was just like wow these are so big and cool and and try his helmet on and and I got into it that way. I just was curious and he he knew that. And who, uh, you said you obviously watch Hockey Night in Canada together with your your dad. Like, that's one yeah. of your childhood memories. So what team did you follow or maybe some players yeah. that you really liked uh, and kind of wanted to shape your game after? Yeah. Well, at that time, in the early 80s, uh, well, when I started watching it, I was, I mean, two, three, three, four, five. So, I mean, you don't remember too much, but you just remember, okay, the Leafs, obviously, are Ontario team, right? You're from Peterborough, so, you know, the Leafs. And I don't know if you followed them in the NHL, who your favorite NHL team was, but... I mean, the Leafs were Ontario, the team. Um, and I remember watching like uh, Gary Lehman, <laughs> Wendell Clark. Like these guys are going way back. And for these young kids watching this podcast, I mean, they wouldn't have any idea who those players are. But um, uh, Hall of Famers like Doug Gilmore, uh, um, you know, was later on in the 90s. But uh, I think like these are the players that I, I was starting as a young boy watching when the Leafs weren't doing so well, actually. And, um, but later on, as I, we get into that more later, but my development was definitely, um, 
I molded myself with the skating is Pavel Bure was my um his before build. He was like um watching Pavel Bure was was how he skated. I, I tried to emulate him. The Russian rocket. I was gonna say that actually, because obviously I remember yeah. you from your yeah. Belvo days and you were very known for your your skating ability. So I, I definitely yeah. think that's a good comparison. Um before we jump to Belvo, I, I want to talk about uh you know, you you are one of those rare guys that made the jump to tier two junior, I would say, at a at a young age. I believe you were you were 16 years old when you made the jump yeah. and playing for the Kingston Voyagers. Like, how yeah. was that experience for you? How was that adjustment? You know, you being 16, you know, playing with guys who are up to ages 21. You know what? Uh, looking at actually, I was 14. My first year was 14. Um, looking back on that, uh, I don't know how I'm looking at 14 year olds now. <laughs> I, you know, and in skating with them and, and even on the streets and everything, I'm just like, I don't know how I did it. To be honest, I, I guess, wow, things have changed and um, the human being has changed, uh, development's changed. Uh, I remember my first year uh, going to camp with uh, the Kingston Voyager, as they were called. And uh, the year before, I was only in AAA. So um, it was starting my first year of high school, uh, 14. And uh, um, I remember walking into the dressing room for camp and everyone had beards. And um, there were men at the time, 18, 20 years old, 21, at the to a 14 year old, you're a man, you know? And uh, I remember walking in, I was like, oh my God, what am I, why am I here? Like, what's going on right now? Why am I, uh, I, I always thought to myself, I think I'm here for a reason. And uh, my father wouldn't put me in too much danger if, if he didn't believe what I could do. And also the coaching staff obviously had expectation of me. So um, I just skated my ass off. And uh, <laughs> I just hope for the best, to be honest. And um, I think um, I was always a strong, play, like always a strong um, kid and um, pretty early developed um, good muscle bound. And, and my dad really um, taught me how to, um, you know, a lot of my training and everything like that. He trained me a lot and I played a lot of sports. So I, I don't know, I adapted pretty quick to that game. Um, and my skating was what got me through it like really and yeah <laughs> that's crazy though i didn't like obviously yeah, yeah, elite yeah. prospects only has so much but like 14 years old to make that jump is in is i know insane. it's it's nuts man i i i don't know how i i mean definitely i i think skating was a big key for me um because i was undersized in 1996 97 i mean like guys are still using wooden sticks there was no rules with anything like um I was getting, if they caught me, then they would try to throw me, I mean, hit me. And they, usually they wouldn't catch me. I was pretty quick on my skates. And I was remember wearing those white Nike skates at Fedorov had those kind of skates. And I was uh, flooding around with those. I was pretty, I was a target, you know. And uh, But um, skating um, from an early age and, and the way I learned how to skate um, and the way um, I did power skating and everything, that was definitely what, how I survived it. So other than that, if I couldn't skate, uh, being five foot seven, uh, five at the time, a uh, hundred in or what in German it's one fifty one meters, one fifty seven, one sixty centimeter or mm -hmm. something like that, and maybe and uh, I was like sixty kilo, so um, but I didn't care. I just wanted to play the NHL one day, so. Well, especially back then, like it was different type of hockey where your speed probably like you kind of just hinted at, like saved you and allowed you to be able to make that jump. Because if you weren't fast, you were small and would have been getting manhandled basically is a light way to light oh, way to bro. say it. <laughs> Unbelievable. I remember um, my first tier two. I'll tell you a quick story with this uh, tier uh, story. Um, my first game um, as in tier two, we're playing the Trenton Sting. They're like the rivalries. It's just like um uh zell playing bayreuth or something a derby match uh leipzig versus halla berlin versus Mannheim. okay so tier two would play this trenton sting they had the worst uniforms terrible unis uh it was like sting a bumblebee so it was like everything was like yellow and black stripes white and uh guys were farmers like these are bowen farmer guys like dick and most of them could not skate at all they just just killers like slap shot the movie and I remember um, my first shift coming out. And um, first of all, I got equipment that was too big for me. They gave me a helmet, a CCM bucky, 
that had like a visor and it was just like bobbing on my head and I like couldn't, you know, like sweating and I had dreadlocks. So like all the the stuff I put in my dreadlocks I was like dripping down my face and like all the, you know, the spray and everything my mom put in and then my helmet was bobbing everywhere. I remember I got hit and my helmet was flying, it was flying off my head and the eyes and then I just keep playing. The puck was loose. It was my first shift. And then I was like, Shit, where's no, no one's around? I was like, I had a breakaway. I'm like, I'm going in. I'm going to go and score. I don't hear the whistle blow, nothing. Went in, sniped. First shift. Like, pretty much these days, it would have been a concussion for sure. Because, like, after that, I, I was, like, seeing two or three. I was, wasn't nice. And I had to go. I had to leave the game halfway through after that because I was dizzy. Probably had a conky for sure. So, uh, that was my first shift. I remember that. And uh, with these men, boys, men, boys. And uh, it was awesome. It was uh, looking back on that. It was interesting. But these days, you you'd have a protocol. You have to go like you're done. You know, I know even most fourteen year olds can do that these days. But different times, as we said. But pretty yeah, uh, different times. Yeah, pretty memorable. I'm sure that was a <laughs> good feeling for you. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> so you end up you end up getting drafted to Belleville in the OHL. And before we get to Belleville, one of the things I wanted to ask you. So you had been playing. Tier two junior, as you said, started at 14. You end up playing a couple years there before going yeah. to eventually going to the OHL. But I had wondered, was there ever a thought in your head about uh and the NCAA row because you had had some yep. success in the major junior or in the tier two junior? Sorry. Oh, that's a good question. And uh, there was, but I just hated school. And uh um I think everyone has a different avenue, obviously a different door to go in. Uh my focus is uh to play in the NHL. And um I remember um, when I come to the practice, um, going to the dressing room and looking, you know, in my stall, I have envelopes. Usually um, you get envelopes in your stall between 14 and 16 when I was playing tier two in Kingston. Um, you get uh, letters from, I got a letter from Princeton, uh, Bowling Green, um, Harford, uh, Michigan, and like all these cool, like great, well-known schools, you know, Bowling Green. But I, I was like, hey, where's the letters from like, you know, Oscar Generals, people, Pete's, uh, you know, like I want to play Ontario hockey. Like, you know, it was just like I grew up watching the Frontenacs as you did the Peterbilt Pete's and um, Eric Lindroth and all these cool players. Uh, I wanted to play in the show and um, I hated high school. I hated school. I didn't want to be there. I mean, I was 14 playing tier two. I have to be there till almost 17, 18, I think. Uh, but looking back on that, why not? I could have stayed a little longer. I mean, I was, could have stayed at home, but I, I had my mindset and my parents didn't, I guess, influence me either to, it's all about parenting and what they think was best for their kid. I don't think they realized I was a scholar. Uh, at that time, I just wasn't into, I couldn't sit down long enough to do work, homework. I just didn't see myself in that kind of life as a going to university. So at the time, but looking back on that, that's not a bad idea. I think I, mean, I, wish I would. I, now I would definitely go to school, but. Uh, the town is uh, OHL only, but it's easy to say that. I think that's yeah. It's you know oh. you can always play the what if game and yeah. Like you, just kind of my experience too was growing up in Peterborough. Then I moved to Burlington, but it was still you know I remember not getting drafted to the OHL, and I thought I was done hockey because you just you're so focused on that. That's what you're surrounded about in Ontario. Like there wasn't so yeah. much emphasis on NCAA. I only knew about it because of like uh, my best friend's dad going. So like. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you were playing too, I think it was all about the OHL. And as you said, like lots yeah. of guys like Eric Lindros had got, played there and then gone to NHL. And mm-hmm. evidently you end up going to Belleville. And I mean, your first year, uh, you guys end up going to the Mem Cup. I was there in Ottawa. Yeah. For, <laughs> That's for those, awesome. Really? For those games. Awesome. I remember, I just, uh, yeah. this has nothing to do with you, but I remember the, the final game. It was like 7 6 in overtime or something for, for Ottawa that beat Calgary. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. That's I mean, awesome. let's let's just talk about that. Like that must have been a like cool experience for you. First year in the league, and you guys end up going all the way in the Mem Cup. Yeah, um, that was, was a pretty cool that team we had. I mean, that's where I really learned a lot under Lou Crawford, Mark Crawford's brother. Um, Mark Crawford, obviously, longtime NHL coach. Um, Lou Crawford was a hard nosed, eight like old school, old fashioned um, coach, and uh, very scary, but. Um, we had a scary roster. Uh, Ryan Reddy was like, uh, he's from Peterborough. And uh, I remember his red beard and, and this guy didn't have to say much. You know, he was uh, 
a lumberjack, if you say, back home. So um, we had him as our leader, our captain, Justin Papano, Jonathan Chichu, uh, Branko Rojvojevich. Um, like, yeah, we had a lot of good hockey players on our team and uh, good leaders. So um, being a young guy, uh, it was me, Chris Newberry, and Mike Renzi at the time, I believe uh, my line mates, and we were all 16. And we thought going to the Mem Cup that year was, uh, we didn't realize how special it was until maybe the next two years after that. It was like, wasn't so easy to get there, you know? But wow, what a moment. Great place to have it too in Ottawa. Like, obviously, a good city and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, it's true. And you had, like, so you obviously end up playing four years in Belleville. And I'd say every year, you know, you took a step forward, uh, both probably in role mm-hmm. and then also with points. One thing I will say is I remember like your guys's rink. I remember going to games as a, <laughs> as a Pete's fan. And I remember yeah. that bullhead on the wall and thinking, <laughs> and thinking it was yeah. so cool when you guys scored because like the, yeah, light, the eyes would light up and the smoke would come out. Like it's awesome. Intimidating. eh? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's like you said though, yeah. like that reminds me of like what junior was back then. Like, you know, this is like, yeah this is men playing this sport and like that the bull thing yeah. even went into it too like you know you get to the next level this is what it's about like you get more more benefits more cool features in the ice rinks and stuff uh, peterborough was obviously famous for their square corners so uh yeah it's still there isn't it is it oh, still yeah. kind of there it's yeah still there. yeah it's they still like they renovated it. it but like the yeah. corners are like they're not completely square now but like they're not real they, corners so they're ra- exactly they rounded it they rounded it a little bit but they kept it the, the character a little bit of charm yeah yeah chris the chris pronger on spin chick let's talk about that he's like i love he loved that ring for the two years because it just was a defenseman's oh, dream <laughs> yeah he'd kill guys in that rink right yeah um yeah that rink that's right. So also um, to elaborate on that, as you said, like the bull, like the rink had uh, a lot of charisma and Belleville. So you said the bull uh, blowed smoke on, out of the nose and the eyes turned red. I had actually like a bull, Belleville bull tattoo. And, uh, but I overdid it or went over it with that kind of uh, symbol. And um, then they had in the playoffs, a hex, a hex was like over the goalie net uh, big hex uh, flag, so it was like over the sixty sevens, uh, the the Pete's uh, goaltender, just like a bad luck thing, right? You know what I mean? During the playoffs, though, and then you had um, then the ice surface. I mean, it was Olympic size. It was a it was mm-hmm. a European ice rink. I mean, hundred by two hundred. Um, so I had a lot of fun on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I hated going to Peterborough Pete's. Like playing against, they were oh, at the time. Like that's what size was everything, right? You had big BJ Ketchison and big players. Like I had it like, oh my God, I don't want to go to Peterborough tonight, you know? It's <laughs> just what I can't wait to get back to Belleville. But um, but yeah, like as you said, every rank had a character. Now everything's a cookie cutout and it's like business now. So that's what I definitely miss about those junior ranks. But I will say that I honestly believe like every time Peterborough would go to Belleville, they would lose. And like every time Belleville would come to us, it, it, like Peterborough would win because you just were yeah. able to use like your own rink, like the yeah. advantages. And you, you yourself, like the Olympic ice probably benefited you because you were so oh, fast yeah. and crazy. It, oh, I loved it. Like um, they put me out in the PK at home games. And then my ice time was definitely elevated in the home games. And then in the away games, it wasn't. Not that I couldn't play in the, in the small rink. I mean, I had. I score. I sc- I scored like probably even though my goals, especially in my last two years of junior on the road. But um, I think uh, obviously they used me a lot, and that's why they drafted me to use my speed on the big ice. Good GM. Um, yeah. So af- after your four years there, uh, I think I know the the answer to this. But so when you're done in the OHL, you obviously have your school package, so you have the choice. You can go. CIS or you can go on a pro. You evidently sign a pro contract, end up in Grand Rapids in the AHL. Was there ever any thought that, hey, maybe if I do my school first, then go to pro? Or was it still like you said, like, I want to make the NHL, so I'm going to do everything possible to 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 do that? You know what? Uh I'm very stubborn and I'm very I really have a really like when I have my mind on something and um it's always been that way since I was like in diapers, my my parents would tell me. So um, I want it. And, and, uh, and even when they've told me, Hey, you should try this, go to school or do this, that, it just, they kind of just decided to be the kind of parents, like let him decide. And, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's his future. So, um, when I came out in my last year, um, I, 
uh, my fourth year on Ridge year. Um, I had, um, I, I have to go back a little bit, just a little bit. So um, when I when I finished up my last year of overage and um, I led the, the Ontario, or Ontario, I finished second in the CHL in scoring. And then, um, so first in OHL, and then I had nothing, actually. I didn't have a, like no offers to NHL camps, um, which is really unusual, especially for these days, because when you're signing a free agent now, you're signing big money. Coming, especially you have a scoring championship, but um, I was like still somehow naive or something too, right? So obviously, um, I finally got an offer, probably twenty two thousand twenty or two thousand two, uh, around like a month before NHL camp started. Like my agent Don Neem was like, "Hey, I got an offer for you to go to Detroit." So I'm like, oh, I was thinking about being an architect, an engineer. And um, I've always been into like designing and uh, I've always been into like the arts and graphics and all that kind of stuff. But um, engineering, I always wanted to like, I was into building things. But um, so I was thinking a little bit of this too. Um, but I was like, you know what? It, I was like, screw it. I, I'm going to go for it. And I, I was like, you know, they won the cup the year before against Carolina. So they were full. They had Brett Hall. They had Fedorov, Datsuk, Draper, Hasek. I don't know. They had an all-star Hall of Fame lineup. So I took it. I took my risk, took my chances because I was in my own little world, uh, that NHL dream. Um, and I just, I was young. I was 20 years old. I was just like, I'm going for it. I mean, I never had this chance again. And I'm going to go for it. And I know I believe myself. If I did what I did this past season, I'm going to go and try to go to camp and show the best I can. To be quite honest, I'm sure there's many people listening and me, myself. If I'm faced with that decision at 21 years old, do I go CIS or do I go to Red Wings camp? <laughs> uh, like, I, like I, how do you not? Because, because if you yeah. end up going to school... And yeah. you'll get your degree, which is great and benefits you mm -hmm. in the long run. But if you don't get another chance, you could always be like, what if? Like, what if I did well? And evidently mm -hmm. for you, you end up going there. And mm -hmm. within a year, a year and a half of signing that deal, you're playing NHL games, which is your your dream. Mm -hmm. And that's right. Yep. One thing I want to ask you about is I'm sure it was a big adjustment that first year pro, which it is for most people. But I wanted to ask you, did you do anything different between year one and year two because obviously you're there's a big jump for you yeah. where you end up you oh, know, yeah. putting up 50 points in the AHL and you end up getting NHL games the next year that's true that that was a pretty big jump I don't know what I did different I looking back on it I guess uh um I just I just put some extra hours in the summer of 2003 um just between that, like they didn't have the development they do now, obviously. Like it was getting there, but still not quite there yet. The Red Wings gave me a program to take home with me after my first year in the A. I had a three, I signed a three year entry level. Um, my first year was AHL, no, NHL, AHL, East Coast League. And then my second year turned into a two way. But um, I looked at, like, I just looked my first camp. Um, I just like, okay, I went there and I saw who I was with. And I saw the other draft picks and I just kind of studied that looked like uh, that someone's like, okay, Yuri Hudler. I mean, they signed, he signed already 1 million or something like that. Thomas Kopecky. Um, these are the guys, Nick is Cronwell. Like those are the guys I had a kind of, that was my draft or not my draft, but your the signing class. Yeah. My signing class. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, at the time I was like, I mean, I looked at Yuri Hudler, for example. I'm like, seriously? Like, I mean, I, I mean, he's a good hockey player. I mean, like, no doubt it. But uh, he wasn't a good skater. He wasn't, um, he was getting, he was my size, this and that. So I had to kind of look at these guys who I can, I compare who I can, like, kind of um, give myself a chance against. But we were also different positions, too. So, um, but I went into the summer, um, worked on my first year in AHL. I had maybe three goals and, I don't know, not much ice time or anything like that. Just kind of learned learning year. Uh, Kenny Holland told me, and then Jen Neal, Ken Holland's with Edmonton now, and Jim Neal's with Dallas, the JGMs. They told me right away they liked me and they believed in me. And uh, Dave Lewis, also the coach, um, said that, you know what, go have a good summer, work out, uh, keep working on yourself. And uh, we want you to be uh, 
coming in and ready to fight for a roster spot. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, I, I went and worked hard this summer and, um, I kept doing my power skating and, uh, I never stopped working on my skating. That's the thing. I, even though I was always blessed with speed and, um, and skating ability, I always worked on my legs and I've always worked on my core and I was doing stuff that people are doing now back then, you know, with all this, like, resistance training uh and um ropes and and all that stuff climbing natural body movements i was doing this stuff a long time ago with my father in the early 90s so as a young boy and i do that with my son now so i i credit all of my training to my my um and to my my health and everything to get this chance to to get better i think too like and we'll get to your your training methods and all that later because you are very well known for that always being in shape obviously i saw it too in kermichel funny story there but i also think (laughs) i also think you that first year of playing you know ahl east coast probably opened your eyes and was like okay you know this is what i need to do so that the next year when you came back it wasn't a surprise like you knew already like you know this is what i need to do to to have success this is uh how i stay uh you know a top guy in the in the depth chart but uh, let's talk yeah. about the call-up, man. Like, just take us through it, where you were, and uh, obviously that feeling. Uh, the call-up. So, in Toronto. Was it, was it Toronto or... Okay. No, the first the first game was in Detroit, Joe Lewis Arena. And um, we were... I was um, on the bus with the AHL club, the Grand Rapids Griffins. We were coming from the Chicago Wolves uh, away game back to Grand Rapids late in the evening. And uh, my coach at the time, Mike, Mike Dan, uh, not Mike Dan, Mike, uh, um, Mike Dan, what's his name again? He's coaching Michigan State. Uh, um, he okay. I will get to that later. Um, he called me the front of the bus and um, told me he's like, I thought I was in shit for turning the puck over too many times that game, but it was like more like, hey, I was like, you're gonna go up tomorrow. Okay, and uh, here's your information. Uh, you have to go to be at the rink at Joe Lewis Arena by 4.30 for the meeting and everything. Uh, you're getting your first game tomorrow. It was like so kind of like, you know, I was like, what? Was this so real? Like, it's like, I'm going to play NHL. I'm going to NHL tomorrow. And other guys congratulated me in the boss. And like, you know, you worked hard. Good job. A lot of support. Good job. And you know, all that kind of stuff. And I remember the drive to Joe Lewis Arena the next day. I uh, got my equipment from the Van Andel Arena with the Griffins play, the home rink, and took my Ford Focus or wherever I was driving to the Joe Lewis Arena, and I pull up, and then they were driving like SUVs. Like, it was crazy. Like, I was, I don't know. Like, looking back on that, it was, like, pretty nerve-wracking, man, really. But I was excited, of course. Must, yeah, like, as you said, you got to live your dream, uh, a lot of childhood yeah. dreams, which is great. I will say this, you might not have been a stud for the Detroit Red Wings, but you were a stud in NHL 2004 for the Cleveland Cobras expansion team. Me and my <laughs> me and my buddy, I'm not kidding. He had he had like one of those big old fashioned like 72 inch like square TVs in his basement and we yeah. were big gamers when we grew up and we did an expansion draft. Yeah. And we made the Cleveland Cobras and you were one of the guys that we drafted, I remember. Yeah. I just remember it so much, man. Like it's it's crazy like that's, it might it might not mean cool. anything to you, but I had to throw no, that, that in there. Of course it does. That's awesome. <laughs> NHL 2004. Uh, yeah, 04, NHL. man. Yeah. Fuck great. On the, old, on the older oh, so Can I swear on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, but yeah. So evidently you end up playing, uh, you know, four years uh, of North American pro year last year. Mm. You know, again, another great year in, in province and you get a couple games in the show. And I'm curious. So after this, you know, you're clearly able to put points up in uh, in the AHL. What mm-hmm. was the decision for you to say, hey, I'm going to go give uh, Europe a try and you end up signing with other Mannheim in the DEL? Yeah, it was, um, I was 20, 2005, there was a couple of lockouts um, in my time. There was like two lockouts, I think. I think there's one. Yeah, one lockout, it went from like 04 to 06, something like this. And uh, the one year, the, no, the one lockout, 05, 06, I believe. Um, or no, 04, 05, sorry. 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. there was a lockout year. So that year would have been the year I would have had probably a chance with Detroit to start off with in the roster. Um, 
but that got swiped away a little bit because the prospects come up the next year and then you kind of just get lost in the shuffle. And I had a groin injury too, at the, actually at the time, like uh, from the all-star game. So that I, there's so much luck that plays a part of it, you, you know, and um, I believe like to do anything in life, it's not just hockey. Um, it's not just uh, sports. It's like anything. Uh, sometimes timing is everything. And um, the, when you have that, uh, some players maybe shouldn't have been in the NHL as long as they should have. And some players shouldn't have not, you know, it's just sometimes you have the skill, you have the people that support you or sorry, your supports, your support system, timing, and then your skill and then your work ethic. I mean, all those things that just happen to fall in the right place, you're laughing and you're getting in a good season in the NHL or DL or, or Russia, whatever your first season, second season, you're consistent. And then you sign a big ticket and then you're in the club and that's how it really goes. And it's the same thing maybe with other things too. But um, I decided for me, I wasn't a high draft pick and I had to work. I worked my ass off for everything um, at the time, but I felt like, okay, I'm getting older already. And uh, after my year, um, the lockout year killed a lot of prospects in my cl- uh, prospect uh, class. And I'm like, shit. Okay. So 2005, to six, I had a pretty good season in Providence, led them in scoring and um, then Adler Mannheim, Marcus Cool, and Danny Hop show up at Providence uh, Dunkin' Donuts Center. <laughs> like these Germans, they come. They're <laughs> they're down at the at the outside of the rink, or like waiting for me in the parking lot. I'm like, like someone, one of the players, like, yeah, it's Germans out there want to talk to you. I'm like, what? I'm like, I mean, shock me talking about the Germans want to talk to me. He's like, guys, nah, they're telling me they want to come see. They come see them. I'm like, okay, it's a joke because they're our team played a lot of pranks, you know, so <laughs> at the time, right. I go out and then there's like, this is Marcus cool. And anyway, so Danny hop, but they, they Adler Mannheim at the time was well ahead of everybody in the DL. They're well ahead, still well ahead um, of getting their players to come play for them in Mannheim. I didn't know where Mannheim was. I had no idea. Even German had hockey, even a pro team. I had no idea. I've heard good things about um, hockey there, but I didn't know. I didn't have enough knowledge. So um, I got a call from this Greg Poss. He was the head coach and started telling me, he's like, we'll fly you over, show you the uh, SCP arena and you can stay for a week or whatever. I mean, do tests and all that. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> kind of got a, my, I, I had a good season. I want to sign with Boston another two years and, um, but gave us some thought that, you know, um, hockey and Europe, I want to travel to and enjoy the game a little differently. Um, and it gets stressful. AHL, NHL, running, like it gets really stressful, man. Up and down. Um, in my situation, I didn't feel ever safe. Um, I could always take my skill and my skating, take me so far, but um, then you have to rely on the rest. And I didn't really feel like that. So decided to go to Mannheim. That is a big factor, I feel like, with a lot of players is, you know, the grind of going up and down, the uncertainty of, like yourself, doing well in the AHL, but not getting, you know, maybe uh, the best chance in NHL, like, you know, only seven games, like, I wouldn't say is a a great chance, like, it wasn't enough time to maybe show your ability or you for it to adjust, so. Yeah, it's, that's that's the thing, and for a smaller player, um, also, Martin St. Louis was at that time at his peak and uh, Gianta um, and those kind of guys. And I was even bigger than those guys, actually, to be honest, uh, it was maybe about average size, you know, for, for a smaller forward. But um, now it's like, I mean, you're looking at Goudreau and Kane and all these guys, Bedard, like, I mean, he's tiny, but the game's changed and that's it. And um, again, with the timing thing, a lot of players now, that are, are my size and skating ability or getting signing this contract. They're 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 there, they're they're supported and the games change. It's more fun to watch, more skill, more speed. But back then it was like, ah, he still put up these points, but and I was just like, that's it. You know, I, I don't have time. I want to go to Europe and I want to travel. I, I I want to still make some kind of uh I invested so much time in my career. My parents have. I want something out of it. So uh that's right, you know, I, I decided to to do that. And what a start you had, I will say. I believe yep. uh, your time in Germany, you end up yeah. first five years over in Europe, you you play in, in the DL. In your first three years, you are back yeah. to back to back 
champion. champion. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Mannheim, obviously, that, that's a good way to start off your career. Um, and then you go to Berlin and end up winning two championships there. Now, I personally know and used to train with Rob Zepp. So, Zepper, yeah, Zepper. yeah. So he was telling me just, you oh, know, I think, I think he was there seven years and they won five championships. So, like, they were obviously yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, the peak at that time. But, like, how was that experience for you? Like, you know, you're winning championship next year, championship next year, championship. Like, you're thinking, like, mm. oh man, yeah. like, this is yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm so a god easy. in Germany almost. You know what I mean? Like, like that must have been cool experiences, yeah. though, just, you know, being a champion for those three years straight. Well, Harzi, I was. I, I put it this way. I think um, my goal was when I came also when I came over to to Germany in my first season with Adler. Um, it was a tough start. Uh, I think for me, of course, culture rise and, and uh, language and everything. But my my agent told me at the time, like, um, go have a good season and we'll come back to NHL. We'll just go take a break. And he put that kind of idea in my head too. Um, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know, I kind of want to stay maybe pursued Switzerland or whatever and move around. But he was like, no, 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 go, you know, lead him in scoring and have win a championship and uh, refresh your name, come back and I'll get you a contract, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I had that in my head and I was like, all right, new goals, new goals, you know, um, something to new uh, to go into um, in the season. So, um, you know, I had a good start uh, on the ice and everything, or I should say the big ice, um every day and the way we played with greg poss in 2006-2007 was very exhausting so it was like a lot of torpedoes fly the zone i like that because you're kind of you know it's offense but then he always wanted the guys to come back to the house so you have to back check on that big guy service playing in the hl and everything was eyes smaller and uh, a little different but so getting those lungs at the beginning was crazy um but man like um I wasn't thinking when I won the first championship, I was like, okay, great. I'm going to go back to sign with back at Boston. They have my rights still. And, uh, but that window closed, you know, it was like already 25, 26 too late. And uh, I wasn't a draft pick. So um, I went to Berlin next year, won again and under Don Jackson and then Don Jackson again, uh, the second year in Berlin. And, uh, but I wasn't thinking, like, yeah, Meister, uh, you know, like uh, three Meisters and, and I'm a god or anything. I was just thinking, okay, this is fun and it's big for Germany, but this is not really what I dreamed of doing in my career is winning a German championship, you know. We dream of winning Stanley Cups. That's how we were raised and um, playing the NHL and that's it. But as time goes on, um, you realize that you've, you've accomplished a lot when you get older and you realize that uh, it was not so easy that you've accomplished that. And also I've been put on, I was put on good teams. I mean, my first year we were stacked. Uh, Berlin was always been strong, um, but I've been lucky and the game with the timing to be put on a good teams and um, be part of that. Good guys, good uh, four stand. Uh, everybody wanted to win and everything like that. So the timing with that was, was, was what was, I think a big key thing. You brought up a great point there. And I, I think it's important to reiterate it is, Obviously, you dreamed of winning Stanley Cups, and for most people, that dream never comes true. So, yeah, for you to look back and be like, you know what, like I won three Meisters in 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 Germany in a row, like that's a pretty tremendous feat. Like it, it's almost like saying I had a very successful career, which obviously you did. You played for twenty years professionally, but some people have the hard time saying that because they go, yeah, I played in a lot of cool countries, I won some championships, but I never won. The Stanley Cup, which I think is like, <laughs> for me, that's just like a it's like false yeah. because it's yeah. the percentage of people who win Stanley Cups is very low. And, you know, someone mm-hmm. like yourself, you've obviously had a very successful career. Another thing I want to bring up is, you know, you played in some cool tournaments too while you're over in Germany. You played in the Spangler Cup. You were able mm-hmm. to represent Team Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, how was it being able to to put the Canadian jersey on to represent your country internationally? Um. Honestly, like, also pretty cool. Um, again, like, it's just like, okay, uh, it's not the Olympics, it's not this, it's not like, like world championships, but it's still your, your country. And um, Deutschland Cups become a very, very uh, historic, and Spangler Cups always been historic. But um, I mean, how many hockey players um, can put a Canadian jersey on? Actually, can be chosen. I mean, it's such a, I mean, line them up. 
we'd probably have two or three pro like teams that could play in the world championships um kind of thing so um it was nice man i i mean i still have the jersey and everything at home and uh it's uh a couple pictures and everything but it was a good good experience but you know what was the best thing about it is like coming together with other canadians in europe and um it's a family thing it's a, they make it team uh team canada uh canada hockey they make it a a family event where they bring in tim hortons from canada uh and like the canadian uh flag is everywhere in the hotel it's just like a canadian atmosphere and families and kids everywhere it's like relaxed and fun and and compared to other teams in those tournaments they're they're like ready to like go to war <laughs> i think the canadians are more like okay we go out and have some beers after the game and, you know get ready for the next one but that's what it was like it was just like a vacation tournament i called it but it was fun I would have put on some LBs definitely with uh, the, if there was Timbits oh, over yeah. there coming over. There uh, were Timbits. They brought Timbits oh, too, but oh jeez, I would have been. They were so unreal. I would have been a beach ball in the net. Um, <laughs> but um, just because of time and stuff, like you end up having that long career. As I said, you played a lot in a lot of different countries. You were able to experience German culture, Finland, Austria, England, Czech, Slovakia, even Belarus, which I'm sure yep. was eye opening at times. But I want to get to the point. So you end up coming back to Germany uh, for a third time. You end up coming to the Dell 2 in Bayreuth. And this is actually when we played against each other. Yeah. Um, so you were in Bayreuth in the Dell 2 in 16-17, I believe. And that was when half the, half the year. Yeah. And like me, I was there half the year in Hellbronn. And that's right. Okay. Now I remember. No more and more. Yeah. Yeah. I, remember that. I, I have to be honest. I think you scored on me. Um, we won the game. I think I played against you was the end of the when you played everybody four times we played you the fourth time in by we lost four nothing and i just remember you on the power play i'm pretty sure you sniped me so there's a one nothing you on that one but um and then we ended up we ended up meeting each other later down the road and this is kind of where we kind of became more acquainted with each other obviously we didn't speak yep. when we were playing each other but uh you know during one of the covid seasons i was working in kermachow as the goalie coach and you were uh trying to get your passport at the time and you came to to skate with us a bit uh your black nike skates right. I'll, I'll never forget those and <laughs> graphs, uh, graphs, graphs. Or graphs yeah sorry graphs yeah yeah i had the, um, graph, the black talk the black talk yeah yeah so Just uh to bring it back yeah yeah that's unfortunately didn't maybe. didn't get to it but <laughs> no 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 i thought i realized it's going to maybe look slower i think <laughs> but this but this brings me to the other side so i remember uh the coach there at the time was mario riche and he was like you know like whether this works out or not oh, i yeah. think I think this would be a good opportunity to have him as our strength coach because he's someone that obviously has taken great uh, care of his body over the years, has always been in shape. And I remember you, after some of these skates, you were taking some of the young guys out into like the forest and you guys were like pushing tires and like chucking logs yeah. around as they would see on your uh, Robinson <laughs> Athletics page as well. But where where would you say your your passion or your because you said you want to be an art like you were thinking about architect when when you were yep. you know coming out of the ohl but where did your love yep. for fitness and kind of just your drive to you know get into that side of it as like an athletic trainer come from um i've always had that in the back of my mind i love always uh my father and uh my mother were track and field athletes and they were there like for their high school where like their um the my dad was like the man of the year or the athlete athlete of the year for his uh, uh year and my mom was also so genetics um play a big part actually i think with my physique and everything and my um training method and all that but i i i always loved um sports and uh and i did not mind training for them also like i mean it just went hand in hand i've always had a lot of energy so I think um, I thank my parents uh, for that because they I think I think a gene makeup is a big thing um, on your parents and how they bring you up and of course the gene chrome is huge. Um, I studied that in, in my in my school and um, and university and, and how the genes play a part to a certain point. But um, uh, yeah, definitely um, fitness has always been something I enjoy doing and uh, our health health and wellness. Yeah. And architect is I mean also. You know, I also feel it's important for people to have two, three different things that um, that's different if they're for the passion, light and shaft. You know, uh, I like art. I paint also. 
and um, I did one here for my friend. And um, I did something this to take my mind off of hockey because I can't just always focus on hockey. My parents are like, you have to have a skill in um, arts, sports, and then other stuff with educational, like could be like reading or mathematics. I don't know, something like this, but not definitely a math guy. But um, always have two things to, to go to, not just focusing on one thing. And I've always had that in my back. I've always had other things. Um, I never just made hockey everything. I always had something, other interests. And I always tell kids that like, look, hockey is, use hockey as a tool, mostly uh, to get education or to get um, money to pay for education or whatever. Use it as a tool. That's, that's, don't think about always playing NHL or the end. Like I was a dummy with that, but um, I realized over time, like, you know what? Um, I had this, I just was focused on NHL so much, but I was always having this when I had too much stress, I go paint, um, that kind of thing, or do fitness, do the fucking hundred pushups or something. I don't know, but that always helped me stay balanced as a, as a human being. At the end of the day, we're human beings and we need to have a balance of our lives. So. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Words from your parents. And, yeah. you yeah. know, I've had a couple of guests bring that up too, where, you know, kids today think that they need to focus 24 seven on hockey, which is, is totally not true. Like you see the, oh. a lot of the athletes that are either multi-sports or like yourself have other passions, yep. whether it's something in yep. arts or play an exactly. instrument, whatever it is, like it allows them to yep. kind of mentally and both physically get away from the game and recharge. Yep. And that's what I do with my kids. And, uh, I put them, I'll put my kid in everything. Like I already have him he's just turned three. He, he's luckily he loves sports. So it's easy to influence him, but um, between the ages of now and 14 years old, they do everything. They Whatever they want to do, you don't push them too much. But if they like doing it, you keep supporting it. If they don't, then they don't. But you don't like just keep a kid just in one thing. It's not fair to the kid. Mm-hmm. And it kind of messes with their psychologic. And they feel like they don't have any say in what they want to do for their life. And you let the kid decide. You give them choices. And that's with everything, the sports and, and everything like that. So um, that's the way I was raised. And um, um, other it's worked out or not, <laughs> that's the way I kind of have um, for my kids and uh, to do fitness, uh, sports, and different shit. So it's a smart, it's a smart move. I honestly think yeah. that um, when uh, so obviously you've transitioned into working with Leipzig here uh, in hockey over the past couple of years. How has that transition been? And also, when did you start Rob Robinson Athletics? Um. Good question. Uh, 2020, I guess you could say, during the corona, just when the corona started, because um, I finished, um, I was playing in as a player coach in Brown Laga in the Regionale Liga. Um, and we were just about to start playoffs in the corona hit. And then uh, there was nothing. Everything's wiped out. Like, no more hockey, nothing. And I was like, okay, what to do now? But um, I was just like, I want to stay in shape, but I can't go to the gym because that's closed because of corona can't do this because of Corona. You can't do this Corona. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn this into a positive. And I wanted to help people because it's right now a health thing. Um, we have to stay somehow fit in shape. Everybody should. And everybody's being locked out of the fitness studios. It's ridiculous. And um, I'm not going to be denied. I don't care. I'm going to go to a park. I'm going to buy equipment first. Buy a truck. Actually, I buy a truck. A cheap for like a thousand euro. A Mercedes Benz 2000 year or something like that. It's still sitting in the thing, no tiff, but I still drive it. Shh. No, but <laughs> but I I got a truck, an old truck, and um, bought some stuff from Amazon. Threw it in the truck, went to parks. I trained myself in the park, um, like some like lang handling, uh, quartz handling, and uh, medicine balls. And I just did my training there. And then people were walking their dogs and if and that they see that of course and you know in germany that people always have one eye there you know what i mean um so um even the polizei would come and tell me like not too much stuff you're not allowed and there's always of course control in germany but um i just did my thing and then people kind of asked me can i train with you and i was like of course i'm more the merrier the more people to train with me the better uh, we can do like a stationary stuff and then in the in the park and then even in some corners of the of the um not natur they say in germany the nature 
And I just started that. And I started getting people coming more and more. I go two, three times a week in Halle and then in Leipzig and uh, bring all my stuff there, assault bikes and um, set up. It looked kind of really nice, good atmosphere. And everyone needed to do something, get out of the flat. You know, you can't be scared in the flat. Like it was a ridiculous time um to a certain point but that's a whole different argument i don't want to get into that the politics is, is it's a mess so we need that behind but with my geberba uh my um my um my business i started 2020 uh robbins athletics training day and um training people in the parks and then after that i was like you know what um i also have other sides with sports uh, experience and in my education um i'm gonna build this up and um and and do something special here and uh i have a lot to to try to to share with uh, i'm going to be staying here in germany so i'm also make something out of it robinson underscore athletics on instagram if you guys want to give him a follow <laughs> um a lot of great videos on there and like you said making the most out of uh, a tough time which was covid and you were doing outdoor workouts yeah. and uh yeah. you know allowing people to both stay in shape but also kind of free their mind and free themselves from the kind of jail saw of their apartment house back then because oh, that was obviously that was uh, a tough time um a yeah. couple more for you here because i know you you gotta go but uh so future plans for you are, is is the plan to continue doing robinson athletics and also working kind of as an athletic trainer in hockey or do mm -hmm. you ever plans to get into coaching one day like how do you see that playing out um something that's been bouncing around in my head uh off and on you know of course in germany you have to in most countries you got to get a, a shine uh license uh from the deb i have my b license um that i had to do and my C license and um it was interesting steps to to uh moving some knowledge and uh obviously um some kind of uh zoicness you know and um you know coaching for me Am I that personality? You know, as I ask myself, and I'm watching other coaches, and uh, I've been here in Leipzig now for almost for three years, actually. I did Ice Fighters, uh, Sven Gericker, um, great man, and uh, very, very, he's been really good for me here, and I've learned a lot from him already. And Frank Fish, Fish Hoarder is now here. So, like, a place like Leipzig um, is kind of like my, my teaching ground for, um, I think, Sven Gerke is a good guy to learn from a little bit. So, and in uh, Fishwater now that had 20 years with um, Manhunt Adler um, with the Nockfuchs. He, he had Stutzler, um, Dry Seidel, and uh, Slider. I mean, the guy's like a super Nockfuchs coach. And uh, now he's, you know, he's also this in pro too in Nuremberg and everything now here. So I'm looking at these coaches and I look at the coaches I've had. Okay. Don Jackson, um, Harry Price in Germany. Um, I've had Greg Poss, he hasn't coached here in a while, but um, I'm looking at, okay, how, if I was a coach, how I, how would I do it, you know, and how would I manage the players and everything? And it's not easy. I don't think it's an easy position. And um, not just that, you you got to move around like a player. You got to, you know, you're just, you're definitely replaceable any day. And for now, I think, um, I have my own kind of independence and uh, on what I want to do first. And maybe one day coaching for me is something, but um, uh, if the opportunity is there, but at the moment I like to kind of focus on my um, power skating um, training uh, for players development, uh, skills development, and then of course um, athletic training and um, Oh, there's a package, <laughs> but uh, I think um, at the moment I focus on um, that, but coaching, I'm not going to shut the door on that, but I think for me, if I was a coach, it would be more um, player coach. You know, I'm a player coach. I'm a player. I'm a people's person. Um, I'm not so. I'm not kind of a dictator kind of type of person. I like to kind of keep it like everyone together and, and more emotional guy. And that's how I would do it, I guess. I mean, everyone has their style, but it's like I never was really good with coaches that were kind of a watchtower coach. Um, I never adapted those kind of coaches. And I'll tell you something before we get off is um, these days, if you're not an open door coach, if you're not a player's coach, it's going to be tough because this generation is, is definitely a little more softer and you, they have to, you have to attend to each player one-on-one -on -one to get the best of each player. And you can't forget one player. You have to have a door open. And um, back then 
the door was shut. Like, I mean, it was tough being a player. And um, for me, I had too many problems. Um, and uh, I'm just like, you know why I wouldn't do it that way. There's <laughs> just no way. And um, you have to cater to the players because you can have excellent nose. Um, you can have tactics, strategy, all the best, like F3, F1, this, F this, this. But if the players don't like you, okay, <laughs> if they don't like you as a person, because hockey players are personable and they're smart people and um, emotional guys, then they don't want to play for you. And uh, you want to be someone you like to be pl- that a player wants to play for you and likes you. So um, I think uh, I would definitely be, and I think most coaches coming up have to think this way these days for sure. No, it's definitely, it is a different time, as you said, um, in terms of like coaching. And I think the open door policy is definitely mm-hmm. uh, more beneficial. Um, the old hard, hard school or old school, hard ass kind yeah. of thing is, you like know, Babcock. Yeah, I mean, he's come back in the NHL now. Um, he's won cups, but they kicked him out at the NHL because he was treating players like animals. Like mm-hmm. you can't. I mean, in a day, hockey players—they're human beings, and and uh, athletes are human beings. Yes, they get a lot of money um, at certain levels, um, but in the day, the money's there. But then, it's still human. They're not robots. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you're treating for coaches, they're treating a player like shit. Uh, it's going to come back on you. Your career is not going to be long as a coach these days at all. And I, I'm, I'm glad that it, sw- it switched that way because uh, it's it's better for, for people and humanity, actually. And um, there's I've seen players after games almost want to kill themselves. Like, they're just like, I'm so done. I'm scared to come to the rink next day. I turn the puck over the blue line. Like, seriously, there's a war going on or something like this. Or mm-hmm. like, come on, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, but you can't, as a coach, make hockey the end all, the end all, everything, uh, um, because of you're afraid to get fired yourself. You got to make it enjoyable and fun, and and be you get to really care about the people. You got to care about the players. Oh, I agree. Making it fun and making it a, a good environment makes the guys want to come yeah. to work to work That's every right. day. If you want to call it work, yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Babcock's got a new chance now, so hopefully, yeah, we'll uh, see. It's gonna be learned. interesting. It's going to be interesting, um, right? <laughs> last one for you here. Yeah, um, yeah. What's one piece of advice or multiple pieces of advice you would give your younger self if you were talking to Nathan Robinson, 16, 17 years old, and that can also be directed towards the younger listeners listening. So from everything you've been through in your life, what are one or multiple things of advice you would give them? Oh, man. You got to throw that on me right now. <laughs> I, always ended uh, the, I always end it this way. That's the question I always well, end on. That's a good, yeah, I know. I heard that's in your podcast. That's true. And I was like trying to still answer that before. Uh, what would I give myself advice from now till when I was younger? Yeah. If you're talking to your younger self. So if you're talking to, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Or the younger listeners who are 16, 17 years old, being, th- uh, being, being, have everything you've gone through in life, both, yep. you know, in sports and away from the rink. Like, what, what advice would you give to these guys listening who maybe want to have a successful career, 20 years pro like yourself? Always have a backup plan. Um, don't take it too serious and enjoy the moment. There's three things, maybe. Um, make sure you have other things you like to do. And uh, and um, think that between 17 and 20, is, you're not old, man. You still have a whole life ahead of you, even after 25 even after 30 to 35, after 35 to 40, it gets a little trickier, but <laughs> you might have kids or family, um, even before that, even 30, but between my young self at 14 to, um, 21, I was on a mission. So I was like NHL, 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 hockey, 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 hockey. And once in a while, I, and if I didn't have hockey focusing on other things like drawing or something or, but have always a couple of things going on um hobbies you know and um i would tell myself that uh don't take life too serious and um at the end of the day you do good by people and everything comes back good to you so that's what i tell myself it's good advice i think that's a good uh good way to end this well man i appreciate you you doing this um thanks Thanks for having me man it's pretty funny like like i told you it was like asking you like like like, yeah come on it's it's like it's like a therapy really it's i did the one podcast and i really didn't think I would. Yeah, I don't know how I do it, but like adapt to it and pretty, you know, 
private guy with this stuff, but uh, it's nice because I, I've known you uh, from pretty much all a little bit. And I played against you, and people I know that know you, and uh, that you're a pretty good person, good guy, and, and I see you're doing really well at this podcast. I want to be part of it. So um, thanks for having me, man. It's awesome. Appreciate it, your time. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words, and obviously going down memory lane is always yeah. always good. I love talking to people about their stories. Um, yeah, listeners, as I said, give this guy a follow. Go check out some of his videos. If you're in the area or you feel like working on your skating, make the effort to go see this guy. Work on your athletic <laughs> ability as well, because this guy will get you in shape. Trust me. Zero to sixty. Zero to sixty. It's Zero called. to sixty. Power skating. Uh, Zero to power sixty. Skating. Power skating. Uh, on Instagram. But who's going to interview you, though? I want to know who's interviewing you. I you know. Interview yourself. One day, one day, one day, I'll I'll bring myself on when I'm when I'm desperate and have no guests. We'll uh we'll get to that one. Okay, if I ever have time to start a podcast, and you'll be my first guy. Perfect, man. I'll come on anytime. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks again, and again for those listening. Until next week, juice and ciao. Yeah.